Music on Mushrooms, a safe space for artists and musicians to explore the endless possibilities of creative expression. Hello everyone and welcome back to Music on Mushrooms. I'm really excited today because I'm talking to my good friend Nick Hamlin and we're going to be diving into a lot of marketing topics today. So it's going to be really good for you musicians and artists out there that are trying to market yourself better um, in this industry. Um, just a little disclaimer, I am in Boston and I have no AC and it's really hot right now. So. I have my door open and my fan on, so you're going to hear some summer Boston ambiance. Um, so with that, how's it going, Nick? It's good to see you. So good to see you, Mary. I feel like it's been forever. Thank you so much. I am so stoked to be here talking with you today. I could talk with you about anything, but I'm very excited for these topics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we met in our undergraduate at Northern Arizona University, um, and you started off in music, but then you switched to business majoring. And I was like, I remember being like drunk with you at parties and being like, Nick, no, you you have to sing. You have to, you're going to be famous. We're going to be famous together. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. And honey, we can still be famous together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I kind of want to hear a little bit about why you made that decision to switch to business. Yeah, great question. Um, this was something I really struggled with my freshman year, first semester, because I knew that I wanted to be involved with music and I felt like I had a pretty good singing voice and like a, a great um, knack for just kind of singing classical music, but I had no interest in acting. And as we all know, the, vo the only vocal performance plan offered at NAU was that of a classical emphasis. So I would have had to be in a bunch of different um, operas and just singing arias all the time and I just I don't know it wasn't my thing and I think pretty early on in my um, movement and acting classes and just like a bunch of classes with my peers everyone was like so on the ball they knew exactly what they were talking about I mean obviously everyone's going through that like oh god we're freshmen like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> but like I just I knew pretty early on that I didn't share the same passion um, for opera and acting as most of my peers. And that's when I decided to switch to marketing as my uh, focus and just kind of uh, take it back a little bit on, on music and go into a music minor. What was great is that I got so many of my credits out of the way uh, of, for my music minor. Uh, my first semester as the music major oh because God, vocal yes. performance is so credit intensive. No, so. it's rigorous as fuck. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, and I'm sure you can speak a lot more to that. But. <laughs> it was rough, but you know. Yeah. That's, that's basically why I'm... And I, I knew I could always kind of combine music and marketing, so... I wasn't really worried about that. Yeah, that's that's interesting to hear your perspective on that because while you're super talented vocally, like you have a really beautiful voice, you have to 100% follow your gut, follow your intuition. And your intuition was telling you, I'm not passionate about this. And you decided to follow it, even though people were telling you no. And I think that is so important. I mean, you were even you made that decision when you were like a freshman. So I think that's really cool that you did that. Well, thank you for the praise. You're making me blush. Um, no, I could say all the same about you. You literally blow me away every single time I hear you sing. Um, but yeah, no, you always have to be looking out for yourself. Like, this is your life. This is your journey. Everyone else is just a part of the chapters in your book of life. And you always need to just look out for yourself, do what's best for you, and, and trust your gut, trust your intuition. So is that what brought you to Denver? Like what, what brought you to that area in terms of like looking for jobs? So I grew up in South Dakota, um, a little bit random, but I very much love the mountains, very much love all four seasons, and I could not stand the Phoenix heat. So. Oh my god. On my list of places to move was Denver because the mountains are 
literally a 45 minute drive away and it's beautiful here. Um, Seattle or LA. And I was ultimately just going to move to wherever offered me a job first. Um, I was applying to just a bunch of different marketing sales positions and a company reached out to me from um, Denver called Atlas Consulting Group and I took the job, moved within a month of taking this job. It was a very quick turnaround. And then I got here and found out that it was a door-to-door selling scam, but it's oh all right. It's okay. <laughs> it, it brought me here, and at the, oh my god, it was a very tumultuous time in my that life. That sounds it, insane. I remember you telling me that. That's crazy. I, I yeah. haven't even thought about that. And then you, like, I assume you just started to apply for actual, real marketing positions around town. Yeah, so I, I came out here, I knew like a few people from college, a few people from high school. Katie Burt was out here. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so we, we actually hung out a bunch at the start, and um, yeah, I just tried to lay some kind of foundation, some kind of groundwork. My resume was pretty barren. Um, I was like super excited at, at the fact that this company wanted me because I was not having any luck with any other companies. Um, so I ultimately decided, you know, I think I need to beef up my resume somehow. So I took on one or two different internships, um, really great learning experience within the cannabis industry. Um, did that for a few months and then I started my own company. I started a e-commerce online e-commerce company that, um, just really beefed up my resume and sharpened my marketing skills and just I learned a lot of transferable skills from that um, experience. So it all worked out. I eventually found um, this company, Spare Rock Storage, where I was working for about a year and a half. And that was my first corporate job. Learned so much. So it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a horror story. I can't imagine like up and moving your life for <laughs> a scam. That's literally so rough. I had such a um, imposter syndrome. I was like, "Am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing?" And yeah. But it seems like it was meant to happen in a weird way. You know, those things always do. I think so, because then I I think about it. I'm like, I wouldn't have met all the beautiful people that I have here, and they wouldn't be in my life. And that's all, it's all about people. That's what what I kind of say about like my educational experiences. I'm like, even though they're not perfect, um, I still met you know the best people in the whole world. So <clears throat> it's about the people. Exactly. Yeah. Always about the people. Always about the people. Okay, so <laughs> what would you say to like, where's the starting point for? artists and creatives if they want to start marketing their services online where do they go just to kind of like figure out their niche and things like that and then push it to their audiences yes um great question it's super important um when you're starting off in your freelance creative journey to really focus on your online presence um you know everything is virtual nowadays i think it's very much essential to create a website or a portfolio that showcases your work. Um, you can kind of think of it as a virtual storefront um, where potential people who want to work with you or collaborate with you can learn about more about you and kind of what you're all about. Um, social media is your best friend. Um, I'm sure you know you've heard use platforms like Instagram and Twitter. Honestly, um, more specifically for musicians and just artists and DJs, I think TikTok is one of the most important social media channels to leverage. I have found so many, like, just secret songs that are, are not on any other platforms. Like, I haven't ever heard them anywhere else except for TikTok. And they become my favorite song for the week or the month or however long. Um... I very much think that um, TikTok is is a very important one to leverage. Um, networking is also super super crucial. Um, 
if there are any kind of industry events, online communities that you can join, um, or just kind of fellow creatives that you can uh, relate to, like-minded creatives, um, reaching out to them can be super, super helpful, um, especially within the music space. I've met several musicians just out at the bars um, and at just random social events, and you get to talking about your life, and you're like, oh, what are you into? Oh, I, I like music, and oh, I'm a musician, and you know, what kind of stuff do you do? And then you get to sharing your work, and um, I have met so many people. Mm, that's like my favorite thing, meeting like artists just on a whim, and then you get to just share your creative process with them. Just It's, totally. it's so random, but it's so fun. And you never know, like, meeting someone out just randomly could turn into a lifelong connection or just a lifelong um, a person that you can, can relate to and just kind of bounce off each other in your musical journeys. Um, I actually wouldn't be in the choir that I am now without the making a connection with the assistant director of uh, the Colorado Symphony Chorus. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm in this. It's called St. Martin's Chamber Choir, and it's, like, the only year-round professional choir here in Denver. Um, but, yeah, I, it was just networking with, with the, the leaders of the choirs that got me into, into it. I didn't have to audition, even. I just, like, sent in a little sample of my singing, and because I had made this great connection, he was like, oh, yeah, you must be good. So. Yeah, I love that for you. That's, so that's kind of, like, a way that you're able to creatively express yourself and musically express yourself even though you didn't choose that field creatively um is it is it a paid choir as well yes so that was yeah right some kind of money um yes. it's not like anything crazy um much it's, it's actually it's something <laughs> it is something it's very nice little um amount of money every now and then the only downside is that it's um, not truly year-round and that you, a, a single person in the choir is not needed for every concert. Got it. So they have some concerts where they only need eight people, 12 people, 16. I think the, the full scope of it is, I think, 30, around 30 members. Um, so last season was my first season, and I was able to participate in three out of the seven uh, concerts throughout the season. And this season, I'm only in two. So it's there's, there's upsides and downsides. But now that we're also on the topic, I think I'm going to join a different choir as well, like an additional choir. Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay, I know, what, I know. It's just choir, um, choir, choir. <laughs> is there another professional choir now in Denver, or is it, is it like a community thing? There are a few. This one is a professional choir, but we aren't paid. So this one is more consistent. It's weekly rehearsals. Um, and then they have just a fall, winter, and spring concert. So it's kind of like Shrine or um, any of the more consistent year-round choirs. Um, so I think they'll, they'll be singing more uh, modern, um, like newer music that... I would very much be interested in. Oh my god, that's so important. We need to hear newer works being done. I keep on saying that on this podcast, but let's get those right? new, new composers' works out there so that way we can enjoy new new art, you know? Exactly. And nothing against the classics. Of course, Obviously, they're, great. they're amazing. I, 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 we could talk for hours about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people do. We, we went to school to talk for hours about that. Literally. <laughs> but, like, you know, I don't know what... It, Eric Whitaker, I just... That man and, like, similar music, I just... It you're just tickles it. my fancy. Oh, oh, you're into it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I There's love some it. people that it's, it's kind of almost polarizing because some people they either like love Eric Whitaker or they hate Eric Whitaker, and I'm one of those people that's like in the middle. Like I love a, like some of his works like a lot. Like when we did Leonardo, Stevie and I talked about this on the oh podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> but Leonardo was such a fun fucking time. If you haven't Seriously. listened to it be before, you guys need to. It's Leonardo it's a dreams of his flying machine. Exactly. Don't forget it. Never forget. <laughs> but yeah, also some of his work just seems a lot. Um, they're not distinguishable from one another. So 
Totally. But he's just found his signature, so I'm not, like, mad. And <laughs> I've heard that he doesn't follow a lot of, like, voice-crossing rules and just random r- rules that composers mostly follow. And that's why a lot of composers are like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to sing for sure. So, yeah, to kind of go back to what we were talking about before with, um, like, somebody beginning to learn themselves as a brand... Um, I want to get your perspective on this because I took a business um, business of the opera business class um, at Boston Conservatory, and we learned a lot about the business aspects of opera. And we did this whole a few weeks about just building our brand, and um, I, it's hard to grapple with because you, as an artist, you are a human being, but you have to monetize yourself somehow, and it can feel a little dehumanizing sometimes and I wonder if you have any advice on finding balance between your branding and then also recognizing yourself as like a whole being within that yeah of course um obviously branding is everywhere any kind of industry that you're in um I I think it's it's easy to be put inside of a box specifically within opera and classical singing um and just singing in general, because if you sing a certain style of music, people are going to assume that that's your kind of style of music that you're going to stick to. And I, I hate that it's just, you, you, you are just so defined um, by, you have limiting um, definitions just based on what you're singing. Definitely, if you choose that as a career uh, path and a life path, like you definitely need to learn how to monetize um, what you're doing. Obviously, living rent-free would be nice, but <laughs> it <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, creating your personal brand is, is super important. Obviously, you have to identify what your target audience is, um, defining who you want to reach and serve with your personal brand. You should be considering, um, like, your audience's needs, your audience's preferences, bringing it more to business, like determining your unique selling proposition, uh, determining what makes you stand out from the from the crowd, from the competition, and why people should be going to your concerts or hearing you sing or hiring you over others. I think that's super important to establish. Um, and then just kind of defining what your kind of voice and personality is, um, defining the tone, um, the style and characteristics that reflect your brand's personality and resonate with your target audience. I think once you establish kind of a rapport and establish trust and credibility with your audience, like they're, they're kind of expecting some sort of content. And I think Sticking to that generally is is smart, but you always want to keep people on their toes and like sure. switch things up every now and then. I think anyone can start um, just by ide- identifying those things: your target audience, your unique selling proposition, and your voice and personality. Yeah, and I think a big part of finding your personal brand, and I I want to speak from this as like from the perspective of classical, like um, branding yourself as a classical singer, you have to be as authentic to yourself as possible or the passion will die you ha- you have totally. to like even though you have to market yourself in a certain way and carry yourself a certain way and there's certain expectations on you you have to bring yourself into it as much as you can um obviously there should be a separation there because um, you're not going to be fully yourself in front of you know your client base yeah so i think it's also just about being present in what not just you need monetarily, but what your soul needs in terms of um, branding yourself in this kind of way. Because you can lose yourself, and a lot of artists do. They, they lose themselves in the expectations and the box that they put some, most of the times on themselves. They tell themselves, this is what the industry expects of me, here's how I'm gonna show up, instead of here's what my soul needs from me, and here's how I can cater it to making a brand, you know? Yep. Limiting beliefs are evil. <laughs> <laughs> there, but um, everybody has them. It's such a challenge. Totally. Um, and I didn't even think we would touch on that, but I would love to talk to you about that. 
Oh, we could, girl, we can talk for hours about that. <laughs> um, so how would you personally get over some kind of a personal limiting belief that says um, that you're not allowed to, to show up as yourself in your professional brand? Just redefining what makes you authentic and what you love and what you're interested in. It's really important to go back to your roots and realize, re redefine why you're doing what you're doing, why you're in the industry that you're in. I think musicians have a very unique, unique business in that they are truly doing what they love for the most part. And, you know, a lot of other in people in other working in other industries cannot say the same, like people working in finance. I mean, sure. If, great if you love numbers and you're good at math, whatever. But I can guarantee you that over half of those people are working in finance for the money. And then they they're pursuing their passions and their interests outside of their job, whereas music musicians are typically you know, performing and making money and that that's how they're, they're living. Um, they're, they're living their dream. I think, um, being able to, to just go back and, and have like a, just self-reflection and a moment with yourself to, to redefine exactly why you're doing what you're doing, um, will limit those limiting beliefs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I'm, I'm taking away from that is that you really need to hone in on what you actually want, what you truly want. And, and sometimes in the world like this, we, the world tells us what we, we want and need is just a lot of money and a lot of people to look at us. But what it should really be is to make connections and to move people, especially as artists, we want to move people in some kind of a way. So I think, yeah, we both can agree that it's just about being honest with what you want within yourself and then sharing that with others is kind of like the best way to do it, um, to, to ma maintain balance in your life, you know, because especially as musicians, if your work, if your work is your passion, you sometimes it's easy to forget why you started in the first place. Yeah. And know? to lose that passion within just the day to day, you know, I'm chasing the next gig, doing the next yeah. thing. It's always chasing the next gig. Now I don't even really listen to music in my free time. I listen to podcasts because what I do for work is listen to music. So I just like need just not that, you know? Yeah. Balance. <laughs> it's all about balance. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, you're, you're in a unpaid choir and me as a professional musician, I would never. <laughs> no, but that's, that's a great, that's a great thing to do because you're literally in it just for the passion and for the joy of music making and I feel like that <laughs> maybe that's something that's been stolen from me I don't know <laughs> I'm like I don't sing for free bitches <laughs> right no I think a lot of it is yes going back to my roots and just really because I I love choral singing what made me decide to become a vocal performance major was the fact that I loved singing in choir so much yes it's um, so good it's so beautiful I love like like you said just being moved and being able to move people that's that's what it's all about um but there is also an aspect of it uh, whereas joining this new choir that's unpaid could potentially lead to other paid gigs and other opportunities such as that like i said it's all about networking yeah you're right i was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I kind of want to take that back because if you are in a position where you want to put yourself out there, taking gigs that aren't paid is actually a good thing in terms of like marketing yourself and saying, yes, I show up and yes, I care about music. Um, I just don't have the time. <laughs> right. No, I get it. I get it. Oh, um, you, yeah. yeah, you're on your, you're on some next level shit with this I don't know. Boston Conservatory. I don't know about that. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Boston Conservatory at Berkeley, actually. <laughs> What I actually wanted to ask, what have you been up to lately? What's your next big music endeavor? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I have really just... Okay, so this is kind of a story for... I'll just tell it. So last semester, I was really honed in on audition season. Because I had a mentor that was like, do all these things, blah, 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 blah. And so I had like made all my videos and I had sent them in and then I got a lot of callbacks. So I had to do things like travel to New York to do these in-person auditions for various opera companies. And 
I hated it. <laughs> I like really? it was just not bringing me joy. Like, mm. I don't know. There was just something like it's not something that's tangible. It's it's something that was in my intuition. Um, it was like my body was resisting it. So I just decided to go on a different path. I want to I'm pursuing local gigs now. So a lot of my gigs um, in Boston are like various teaching things. And then I'm also performing. Um have my first contract with the Boston Lyric Opera Chorus coming up. Hell so yeah, I'm really excited about that. So That yeah. is so exciting. And because I've been able to make really great connections with the school that I went to, I just get emails about like auditions that are happening, you know? Like I don't even necessarily have to search that hard to find opportunities. And there's definitely a lot of face group fa- the Facebook group as as well that kind of cater towards um, freelance singers in Boston where there's various gigs on there but I'm trying to live a comfortable peaceful life and I don't Girl, think I the traveling <laughs> opera singer is in line with the life I want to create for myself you're just always um, up and at um, just crazy busy to, yeah. to go get judged I'm like I already judged myself enough I don't need y'all <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah so that's kind of uh, what I've been up to just teaching and um and the podcast has been really fun. And we're back. So, for you, it's just been an instant. But for us, it's been a week. <laughs> because we recorded the end of this podcast, like, literally 30 more minutes, and it erased itself. So we're back at it again. Um, and it's going to be even better than it was the first time. <laughs> better than you could ever imagine. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you about some community engagement tips in ways that we can market ourselves um, and network ourselves in our own communities around us. Yeah, of course. Obviously, this is super important, especially within the music community. Um, I think being able to firstly identify your exact musical passion. So like reflecting on the genres and themes that resonate with you the most. Um, you know, are you drawn to using music as a platform for social change? Are you just doing it for fun? Are you wanting to make friends from it? Like, it's really important to um, clarify that at the start. Um, I think this provides kind of a strong foundation for your community, community engagement journey. I love all of that. And I feel like it's so important because as artists, it's easy for us to kind of isolate ourselves. You know, you hear about the cliche of the musician being in the practice room for hours or the artist slaving away in the studio or the writer just, you know, spending hours in front of the computer. And we need to acknowledge and be very real with ourselves that a big part of marketing and making money in this business is getting out there and meeting people. That's yeah, that's kind of going to get you your main leads, you know? It's easier to get leads face-to-face than it is behind a computer. Completely. I think first impressions are huge, and first impressions over text, I'm like, can never show showcase me as a person. So I very much agree with that. Um, yeah, and then just, like, you know, assessing your musical skills and just kind of taking a moment to recognize your strengths as a musician and you know are you a talented songwriter are you a captivating performer or are you super skilled in arranging music um and i think understanding these areas will help um more effectively channel your efforts when you are engaging with whatever community that you're trying to be a part of along that same vein finding your niche finding what you're really good at and marketing that first or the thing that you most enjoy kind of pushing that um because ultimately the goal here is to be making a living on the thing that we most enjoy doing you know exploring social causes i think is also uh, very important delving deeper into um like social causes and issues that matter to you um i think as a musician you know depending on the scope of your um audience i think you have the power to bring attention to super important topics through your music. Um, you know, whether you're promoting mental health awareness or kind of supporting marginalized communities, um, you know, or advocating for equality, um, whatever, um, whatever you're doing, I think music is a super powerful medium for, for change. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of audiences definitely want to hear that and see that 
because as a human being, all of us are suffering, you know, like bottom line. We're all broken. We are all broken. Exactly. If you're not broken, you're not human. (laughs) And so I think as artists, we try to bring, bring people peace. You know what I mean? As an artist in the industry, especially classical musicians, that is um, largely racist um, and sexist and kind of normalizes really unhealthy work environments in terms of, you know, abusive conductors and directors and things like that and discrimination along those lines. It's important to stick to your guns and stick to what you know is right. Completely. And so I feel like as artists, especially if you're a composer, please... I don't know. I want I want to hear things that are for like social justice change. I want to hear that too, baby. Um, a little side note: Have you seen the movie Tar with Kate Blanchett? I have not. Oh my God, Mary! You need after this podcast, you need to go watch. It is incredible. It's about this like Kate Blanchett plays this um, conductor uh, director of this. Oh, what is it? The some I think the Berlin um, Orchestra. I think that's what it is, and it's like one of the most well-known orchestras. She's what are they? They it's when you've won a Tony, an Oscar, a Grammy, and something else, and they have a term for these people. And um, she is iconic. one of like yeah, iconic, <laughs> if you will. Um, but anyway, it is so riveting, and the acting is amazing, and all. Musician lovers, especially classical musician lovers, will uh, classical music lovers will enjoy it. Oh my God! What's it called again? Tar T A with an accent like grave, but I don't think it's French, so <laughs> scratch that. T A R, just tar. Tar. <laughs> yes, tar. It's good. Um. I think it's on. Like, <laughs> I think it's on. Um, what is it called? Uh, Amazon Prime or. <laughs> Or Apple TV or one of those. Nice. Love that. <laughs> Do you have any more? It's really good. Anyway. Do you have any more community engagement tips? <laughs> yes. Yes. I do. Um, I would say <clears throat> um, engaging with local communities is very important. So looking for opportunities to perform at different community events or charity fundraisers, um, you know, local venues, Whatever you can get your get your hands dirty with, I think engaging with local audiences allows you, obviously, to connect with people, um, especially people who share your passion for music. Um, and I think that it can kind of serve as a bridge that brings people together, um, kind of just fostering this sense of belonging and unity and community. I feel like a part of that is doing recitals, even when it's not required for a degree. (laughs) You know, putting yourself out there in that capacity, bringing a group of artists together, doing, it doesn't have to all just be about you, honey. Um, You can bring various artists together, sing um, music that you want to be heard, like talking about social justice, you know, bringing artists to the forefront, people of color, queer artists, women, composers, things like that. You can really foster a great community just putting yourself out there in that aspect it takes a lot of work but you know it's just an idea i'm still waiting for you and i to do that mary oh my god get over here seriously though we need to record at some point in the near future yeah it would be super sexy big point just using your music as a story storytelling tool um as a musician you have a unique ability to kind of tell your stories through music um, you know, crafting songs that resonate with your audience, evoke emotions, showing that emotion, um, and just conveying important messages or just conveying whatever you want. It doesn't always have to be a social cause or a very important message, but the point is to entertain and, and just bring people into your your world and your passion. Yes, being authentic, unapologetic unapologetically which is very challenging but you, you gotta do it bitch because that's what audiences want be comfortable with being <laughs> uncomfortable well easier said than done because i like i like chilling <laughs> out you know <laughs> i i feel you mary i'm the same way i think 
every new experience of putting putting yourself out there and stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, I think, makes the next time that much more easier. For sure, my dude. For sure. <laughs> oh my God, should we switch gears and kind of talk about balancing your work life with your creative life? Because I know that you've been in marketing for... Um, a few years now, and you've been doing music on the side, and I'm wondering um, how you balance. Totally, um, I will just start by saying I am in one of the only year-round professional uh, choirs here in Denver. I'm in it's called St. Martin's Chamber Choir, um, and I started that when I was working at my old job. And the nice thing about that particular choir is that it was gig-based, so I didn't have to plan. Um, one hour out of my or two or two and a half however long rehearsals usually are every single week and I liked that I could just prepare for a month for this concert perform it and then I could take off and I think that works well for some people um I'm actually just about to join a new choir actually have an audition on Monday um yeah it's very exciting it's with this um group called a loose vocal ensemble and I think they are going to be performing more music that I'm super passionate about, more like modern, less Baroque and Renaissance and less classical in general. Um, and that one is a um, once a week Monday rehearsal, two and a half hours. Um, so I think just knowing which kind of time commitment style um, you work with best, first establishing that is, is important. Um, and then just setting clear priorities, defining your priorities for both your music and your work, um, and then re recognizing that both are essential aspects of your life. And finding the right balance involves understanding what matters to you most to you. Um, so setting realistic expectations, uh, kind of for what you can achieve in each domain, music, musically and professionally, or you know if it's. If you're a musician by trade and that's your whole thing, then anyway, um, in each domain without compromising the other. I think that that's the first thing is to kind of set clear priorities. Absolutely. Getting clear on what you want and being realistic with your goals is so important because that's a point I want to highlight. Um, sometimes we are so we are so ambitious with our goals that it gives us anxiety and so much pressure on what something should be quote unquote as opposed to just letting it flow into what it's supposed to be exactly you know being because sometimes it might take a lot longer than you realize to complete the task that you're thinking about 100 percent. like say you have an idea for writing a book getting it done with two within two years is ambitious you know these are long-term goals so you just have to think big picture and consistency is key so as long as you do something a little creative every single day, that's what matters. And I think to piggy off that, sometimes your goals can act as barriers because you want this thing so bad and it seems like such a, a big task. Like I want to, you know, create a song, but it's not going to happen in a day. Um, it's kind of that 1% better every day mindset. Um, but a lot of people will kind of just get overwhelmed by the thought of completing what has to be done and just don't do it. I, I, I think I've gotten better at um, kind of optimizing my downtime and saying, okay, I'm going to take 45 minutes to just work on music production or 45 minutes to train myself on this particular area of expertise and just stick to it. And once you create those healthier habits and like for being able to format your, your time like that, um, I think is very effective in, in getting over those roadblocks. And I, I think I, I'm also concerned with me personally, balancing social media and um, that aspect. It's focusing on consuming rather than creating. Um, I feel like is, is a trap that people can get in on social media. Um, if you're spending hours scrolling all the time, that's less time that you're putting into your work. M maybe you, you're, you know, you scroll with, um, <clears throat> with intention to get, you know, maybe some inspiration, but not just to, to drown the time, you know, just to endlessly consume. Because ultimately, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a creator. 
of some kind. So it's also important to think about that aspect of balance too. It's really easy to get sucked in. I agree completely. I think, you know, obviously touching back on marketing, like it's very important to want to market yourself and get out on those social platforms like TikTok. And I think personally, I have found, um, like I said before, that's a bunch of hidden gems and just amazing creators and amazing musicians from TikTok. So I think, like you said, finding inspiration or finding a new genre of music that maybe you didn't like before, just discovering someone incredible um, are all good things. But when it becomes mindless, that's that's when it becomes more of a problem, I would say, more of an addiction that is just not needed for for you to excel in whatever you're trying to do. Just, yeah, time management. Um, creating a well-structured schedule uh, for managing kind of your creative musical pursuits along with your work responsibilities. Um, setting aside, like I said, setting aside specific blocks of time for your music, whether it's in the evenings or weekends or whatever downtime you have, um, you should, uh, you know, I urge you to kind of treat these time slots as sacred and prioritize them as you would important work meetings. Absolutely. And I think that's the discipline aspect of self-care um, that a lot of people don't necessarily super touch on, but I think it's important to if you create a schedule with goals in mind and it's a realistic schedule, I would say try your best to stick to it. Um, of course, do it with grace. Like, don't book yourself <laughs> like a crazy person and expect yourself to be fine. But honor your schedule and put, you know, those little things in there. Like, even if it's like 30 minutes here and there of, you know, painting or writing or um, songwriting, things like that. It just... Yeah, just be structured with it and honor yourself in that way too. Yeah, being honest about, just be honest about what you can accomplish with the time you have available. Because um, it's always better to do fewer things well than to spread yourself too thin. Yes, and I know we're all guilty of that. Um, if you have studied music in college, yeah. <laughs> um, or I'm sure any art form, any college is hard, um, <laughs> then you know what it's like to be spread too thin. And don't do that to yourself in your professional life. You control your professional life. You control your work life. So really make you sure that... You control you, honey. Yes, you control Take your life. Take control of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fucking don't just do it. Fire the buff. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, what's that song, um, Shia LaBeouf song? What's that? Something, something, Shia LaBeouf. What? Oh. What's, what is oh. it? Isn't that from a movie? Like a, no, it's a, is it a meme? Like a YouTube? No, I think it's is a it the meme. Same, is it like the same company? It's like, um, had your kids, had your wife, and had your husband. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's I don't just, know. That, that's just <laughs> propped in my mind for no reason. I haven't thought about that in so long. Oh Girl, I've been having random thoughts all goddamn day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel you. They're just popping out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay, so back to <clears throat> what, what the fuck we were talking about. Jesus Christ. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I think... Especially when we talk about balance, you you really need to make sure that you're listening to your intuition as well. Um, if something doesn't feel right, like in your gut, you can think about it logically all you want, but if it doesn't feel right, you need to listen to that. Because I feel like there's is people can get trapped in the logic of things, but ultimately it's about how you feel. Um, and of course, push your comfort zone, but also know when things are right and wrong you know intuitively what is good and bad for you you know i had a, a really big aha moment with my intuition when i didn't stick with my music uh, vocal performance um, major in in college doctor well she shall remain nameless but my voice teacher at the time was having me sing super super high repertoire and just like really trying to get me stoked about acting and just just a fundamental fundamental part of me was moving so against the grain of of this life that she she pictured for me um so yeah definitely un like realizing when it's your intuition telling you to keep doing something or stop doing something like definitely yes to- even when it comes to listening to your mentors your close friends your peers yeah 
I mean, obviously, trust your besties. <laughs> yes, trust your besties. Trust and your like, besties. Outside input is always, for me at least, very refreshing and eye-opening and insightful. So, you know, keep those around who are going to give that to you, which leads me to my next point of seeking support. Um, sur- you know, surrounding yourself with a supportive network of friends, family, or fellow musicians who understand the challenges of balancing creative pursuits and work. Um, kind of sharing your experiences and just seeking advice from, from those who have successfully na- navigated similar paths, um, I think is a great way to uh, foster more of that balance. And to gain more perspective, because we don't know it all, and obviously we, we need to go outside of ourselves to gain some some kind of insight in those realms because you know there's so much wisdom in i don't know i just love my friends like i learned so much from all of my friends and it just i'm so grateful and if i didn't have any of you guys i i would be so stupid just (laughs) no yeah (laughs) i feel like you guys have definitely especially in my undergrad have like made me into the person who i am and made me a better person 100 percent um yeah. Ditto. Oh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Seriously, though, I really appreciate our relationship, especially. I think we always just got along so well and had this kind of unspoken, like, <laughs> little flirty way about us. We've kissed, like, so many times now. <laughs> I know. I know. We have made out at parties, and it was fun. I No regrets. There. No, no regrets, baby. <laughs> Oh, man. The 21st night of September, always. Do you remember when my birthday party was on the 21st night of September? Yes, every single fucking year. Yeah, every (laughs) single fucking year. That was the theme of the party. (laughs) It was always a theme. Yeah, that was... What a time. (laughs) Wow, I do remember the 21st night of September. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sick, dude. Also, when we're talking about balance, making time for people in your life. If you're finding that your creative life and your work life is not have enough room for people, I think that's an issue because people, it's not about the journey or the destination. It's about who you're with along the way. That's what I fully believe. It's all about connection. Like we were evolved to be, to depend on one another. We were evolved to make connections and have a community to lean on. Um, you know, and our hyper-independent society doesn't talk about that a lot, but lean on people, because that's what we evolved to do. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> it's about science, baby. Yes. Science. It's science, people. Science rules. <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy. Can you do it in, Bill, a, ba- can Bill, you do it in like a bass voice? Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> Science rule. That's why did we watch that like every single science class period in high school? (laughs) Because the science teacher didn't want to do anything that day. They were stoned as fuck, probably, because they decided to be a science teacher. (laughs) Well, and you still you still get paid. Like you could do the you could actually do the bare minimum for the most part. And yeah. I wouldn't appreciate it. Um, No, I wouldn't either. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sick, dude. Oh my god. Let's talk about fucking undergrad, because we already kind of touched about that. Like our choir experiences. You, you and I both are very much choir nerds. It's like my happy place. It's like my peace. You know, like I don't give a shit. I mean, you. I used to care if things weren't perfect and super gelling but now i'm just like i'm singing with people woohoo it's just always a good time like as long as everyone is on the same wavelength and we're all giving it our best like nobody's perfect we're all in this together we all we're all in this together like if rehearsing raise your hand and own that shit (laughs) (laughs) you know it's always so funny i remember in choir that whenever somebody fucked up they would raise their hand and be like like, i know i know and then you would continue (laughs) yeah yeah i would just (laughs) that was me don't worry about it dr copley (laughs) oh my god an icon but serious oh my god yeah dr copley 
There are not words in my vocabulary that can describe the level of, like, inspiration and just... I wanted so badly, even in, since high school, since middle school, I had heard about Dr. Copley in, in um, Suburbs of Phoenix. And, oh man, I saw her in high school, Jazz Mad, and I was just blown away. Immediately hooked, and I knew I had to be in the choir. And it was honestly probably the best aspect of my entire college career. Like, I had a blast in college. I had, such a good time. I had so much fun. We did so much partying and just socially, like, we had such a good crew. But truly, my experience singing with Shrine and just being together and feeling music like I've never felt before, that, that was honestly the highlight of my entire college career. Absolutely. Like... Watching her, <clears throat> you know, as a student, I don't ever, because I, I always wanted to be a performer, so I never th was in class with the perspective of, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. I should pay attention to what she's doing, you know, in terms of teaching and, like, be kind of rigorous about it. No, I'm just there to learn how to be a better singer and performer. Um, but now looking back, if I could be even half the educa skilled educator that she was, I, I could die happy. Like, literally, like... A quarter. A, a quarter. <laughs> like, the, the amount of knowledge and skill and, like, passion, um, the goofiness, the honesty, like, the... Just the whole way about her. Just, like, the, the full package. I mean, come mm -hmm. on, let's be real. So we were very blessed in that aspect, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people... A in, literal legend. In, a lot of people feel connections with their, their choir um, directors because it's such an intimate thing. Like, literally, we're all making vibrations out of our mouth holes, and it's reverberating in the air, and the vibrations are hitting us in our ear holes. And our and heart holes. In our heart holes. <laughs> <laughs> My heart hole escaping. <laughs> Oh, um, no, yeah, it hits in all the right places, deep within my soul. Um, yeah, it's a very spiritual thing. That's what I meant mm -hmm. when I said the whole thing. <laughs> yes, no, I, I, I catch your drift, Carly. Okay, um, I think another thing that was so different about Shrine compared to like the choirs that I'm in now, when I was in the Colorado Symphony Chorus, like all of those are you know, despite practicing almost every day, you're not memorizing music. You're not emoting with the, your director like, like we were in, in Shrine. Like, I feel like that very much, that connection that the, the director, she made with us um, was just unlike any, any connection with a conductor I've had before. Absolutely. And having to have that, that deep level of like eye contact, like if your eyes were not on her, she would know and she would look at you until you would look at oh, her. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's like, why are the you The coke And so now I've brought that into my own professional career, you know, especially having a, a score in front of my face nine times out of 10 when I'm singing, I still need to make contact with the conductor, you know, every, you know, three or so measures just to see where we're at. I feel like that's lost a lot of the times, especially because it's so easy to get buried in the score, especially when you're sight reading. But Dr. Copley, you know, <clears throat> instilled that in me, and I'm glad she did. <laughs> same. Yeah, same. But memorizing music is tough. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. I did my time. I did the... <laughs> I did my time, Nick. Unless we were back singing with her again, I would definitely memorize. Also... Oh, absolutely. Um... Have you heard, did you hear about the um, Shrine alumni, like, homecoming thing that's happening this year? Well, you told me. Um, so I do know about that. I'm probably not going to participate because that's a long, it's literally thousands of miles away from me. Um, right. Well, maybe, maybe less than, about a thousand, I would say. Probably at least a thousand, at I would least say. At least a thousand. At least, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I realized the other day that it's probably not going to be, in my mind, it was Copley that was going to be directing, but they have a new, I forget his name, um, director of choral studies. So Holy shit. Yeah. I don't even know anything about yeah. <laughs> how that, what's happened to that school after we left. 
Yeah. I mean, it's kind of irrelevant. Like we're, I'm going to show up and it's like, I'm, I'm a legacy character and who are you? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> no, who are no. you? But I mean, I think I'll, I think I'll be turning some heads. We'll see. Okay, bitch. <laughs> no, it's going to be a good time. I mean, whoever the fuck shows up, I <clears> am <throat> hope it's live streamed or something because I want to listen okay. to that shit. But them scheduling the concert on the day of Tequila Sunrise, like, what are you doing? Like, How are they supposed know? to know that? This guy <clears throat> moved not from Flagstaff. He doesn't know, right? You're right, but you think someone would have told him, like, hey, don't do this because people are going to be drunk on stage. <laughs> no, no. Maybe I'm that's gonna, why like, he did it. True. Maybe, maybe that will allow for a looser more um memorable experience unless we're blacked out then we won't remember i mean i'm trying to think of the experiences where i have sung with a little bit of alcohol and they have not been bad experiences true that is true i can say the same i've never gone to a concert high though i i don't think i could ever one the impact the effect it has on my voice and two like me just being paranoid and thinking that everyone knows that i'm (laughs) (laughs) you look at the director and you're like i swear i'm i'm so i'm fucking up like i would force her fuck (laughs) oh no um yeah i've never ever gone to rehearsal high ever um i've never done a i've never done a performance high no that doesn't (laughs) sound like me Not at all. all. No, no. (laughs) That's so off par. No, yeah. um, On to the next. (laughs) No, we didn't talk about Tequila Sunrise. Tequila Sunrise is a a tradition in Flagstaff, Arizona, where people wake up, the ass crack of dawn, Tequila Sunrise, and take tequila shots. It's everything, all the bars are open, people are walking around. They have all the bars, like, blacked out, black paper, so it feels like you're in the club at 6 in the morning, and you're just clubbing it up, and then you go to brunch, you fall asleep at brunch, and then you try and force yourself to go to the homecoming game, because why why else are we here? What what other events is going to draw a crowd like this to support your school? You show up, and you don't watch the game, you pass out. You get w- woken up by the end of the game, and you go home, take a nap, and then usually there's a party to go to afterwards. You wake up, you take more shots, you drink and drink and drink, you put on a Babadook costume, and you just roam the streets of Flagstaff, and just just savage <laughs> everywhere you go. The and Babadook then you get to then, then you get to 21 shots of tequila by the end of the day, and you feel like absolute shit but it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) no oh my god the babadook outfit like i had no idea that you were intoxicated that day because you walked into choir in your babadook costume (laughs) and i was just i was just i was it was the happiest moment of my life i think it was the best thing that's ever happened to me (laughs) it was so and i had no idea you were wasted no it was I still have screenshots of that snapchat of like me filming you like (laughs) that was a fun that was a fun little costume Um, it was was really really I don't think I don't think I did the makeup justice but I had I had the attitude to match you know (laughs) you went fucking batshit dude like (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh good times dude good fucking times fuck Wow, Nick, what a time. What a blast. What a time, Mary. This was a beautiful podcast, um, accidentally <laughs> done over the course of a week. <laughs> and it was worth it because I got to see you twice. So worth it. We got to connect and catch up, and you got to tell me about your shitty date experience, and I got to tell you about my unlawful treatment of my old employer. <laughs> <laughs> It's great times. <laughs> and I think we did give a lot of good information today yes, on this day. Yes, yes. Um, we provided some value, for sure. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that we got to do this together, and it's so great to see your face. Um, and to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, and be kind to one another. And I just want to say, Mary, I am 
so, so proud of you and love you to pieces. And I think this is such a cool creative project that you've created. And I am going to be following closely along and just cannot wait to see what you do with this. Thank you so much, Nick. I love you. And I love, I love you. you listener i don't know why i keep on i keep keep on switching from you to the person that's listening to this it's very uncomfortable for me i mean um, you gotta acknowledge the fans you have fans, to we love the fans oh my god okay uh peace out deuces peace out girl scout deuces